Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Is live mic check one two with Leland Sperry from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on live mic with Leland Sperry on KSL News Radio. Happy Friday Eve. That's what I call Thursdays. It's today's Thursday, right? Happy Friday Eve. We've almost made it to the weekend. Twelve thirty-five. The time here in the KSL newsroom. As you well know, we are. I presume you know. If you're following along Utah politics, you know that we are coming towards the end of the general session of the Utah State Legislature. You'll notice this time of year, the news, uh, the local news, that is, gets uh, crowded with stories of all the various different pieces of legislation introduced and debated and voted upon. And those measures, you know, they they either live or they die. Right. They either wind their way through the regular order, receiving the sufficient number of votes in the committee setting and in the House and in the Senate and ultimately onto the desk of the governor where, uh, you know, he has the opportunity to sign or veto or ignore or whatever. And, well, it's, it's inescapable. And right now, especially uh, today and tomorrow and early parts of next week, you start to see how some of the bigger headline-making bits of legislation are faring. We have thus far learned the presumed fate of a bill dealing with transgender athletes, as well as distracted driving. Uh, There have been some dramatic updates to the changing of the name of Dixie State University. A pretty remarkable update to that piece of legislation came just yesterday. Uh, And then... And then there are those that uh, we've been covering throughout the course of this legislative session which uh, remain in play. There is uh, a piece of legislation dealing with mugshots, those photos taken of those individuals uh, who are arrested. Uh, up until now, those those images have been free and openly accessible by the public. And there is an effort right now which uh, very likely will, after uh, I think just one remaining procedural vote, uh, make its way onto the desk of uh, Governor Spencer Cox, a measure that would prohibit the public disclosure of these images, making it a uh, a piece of uh, private information. There are some caveats there. If there is imminent threat to the public posed by the, informa- by the individual, then sure, uh, those images can be distributed publicly. But for the most part, uh, it's looking like here soon in Utah, mugshots won't be something you and I will see appearing in news coverage. 
uh, anytime soon. Uh, and so what I want to do is uh, for the next uh, half hour or so, I want to walk through the details of some of these bits of legislation. I want to share with you a handful that uh, have been covered pretty heavily in the media and very recently uh, met their fate, their demise, that is, uh, held over maybe until a future legislative session. And then on the flip side, after the commercial break, we'll come back and we'll walk through some of the uh, larger bits of piece of, of legislation that uh, that are still uh, continuing on, still have a chance of becoming law here in the state of Utah. Now, a word of caution. The bits of legislation that I'm about to share with you are nowhere near, nowhere near the complete list of the laws or potential laws being debated on Utah's Capitol Hill. And so, as you all know, my my promptings, my invitations are always to lean uh, not on what you hear me ramble on about, but rather what you learn for yourself. Uh, And so, yes, I'm going to walk through a handful of these that have caught my attention and I think uh, deserve some conversation here today. Uh, But if you, and I urge you to to feel this way, if you feel uh, strongly about the laws which govern our great state and the potential laws that govern our great state, I'd invite you to spend some time. I, I know time is precious. Time is tight. You've got work. You've got kids. You've got the, uh, the what-to-dos around the house. If there is a, ever a moment where you can just step aside and uh, do a little bit of research, specifically at this time of year, make your way over to le.utah.gov, le.utah.gov. That's the state's legislative website. On there, you can find information about every single bill being debated on Utah's Capitol Hill. You can search by keywords, so if there is an area of interest that particularly gets your attention, uh, you go on there, you click on the uh, the bills section, and you type in that word. Uh, maybe it's uh, rules of the road. Maybe it is something about business or taxes or school boards. Who knows? Whatever it is, type that in there. And maybe a result will, a result will come back. And maybe that piece of legislation will still be in process. And maybe, if you feel strongly enough about it, you'll use that very same website to reach out to your local legislator, either in the House or in the Senate, and say, hey, listen, uh, I've got this kind of strong feeling or that kind of strong feeling about this bill, and I wonder, first, uh, where you stand on that, and two, uh, what might be done to move things along, if I could encourage you. So that's my big invitation. Uh, we are going to now, for the next few moments, walk through some of these uh, bills that uh, that are, are dead. Those that uh, have seen their day in the sun and are likely going to end up on the cutting room floor uh, this year's legislative session. We are going to work harder and smarter than we've ever worked before. Representative Thurston. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Are we supposed to remove our masks when we speak? Uh, in, the, in the 2020 session, passed out of here nearly unanimously, just uh, ran out of time on the Senate board. But it's uh, this was brought by the Utah Association of Special Districts. It brings into uh, conformity. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Representatives, this bill, we, we have the Veterans Military Affairs Commission, which we've had for several years. The House is in recess. The bill regarding transgender athletics here in the state of Utah. We had Representative Kira Berkland on the program, a Republican from Morgan. She uh, joined us here on on this 
program just the other day, and we discussed the progress of her legislation, which at the onset would ban transgender females from competing in high school sports. Well, that bill is likely dead. That bill will likely not uh, move on and will not likely become law here in the state of Utah. A number of things transpired uh, during the course of that bill's progression. One interesting update came uh, just a week ago today when Governor Spencer Cox, in one of his more emotional statements uh, while speaking uh, before the microphone and before reporters, let it be known that this bill... Uh, HB 302, the one that would ban transgender females from competing in high school uh, sports, uh, female high school sports, was something he couldn't support. Subsequent to that announcement, we spoke with Representative Berkland, and she, uh, if I'm honest, presented a a very straightforward and uh, well-thought-out and well-presented case. Uh, You know, I'm not not arguing that the merits one way or the other here, but uh, she was earnest and honest in her presentation and spoke with us here on these airwaves saying, yeah, no, I understand that there are some concerns. We have some fixes we would like to attempt, one of them being, uh, you know, these transgender females could uh, be part of a team, uh, but they would be, you know, excluded from competition uh, in contact sports and also where scholarships are involved, they would be uh, removed from that process. Those amendments or those adjustments to that initial bill ultimately uh, insufficient to sway uh, the number of opinions needed and the number of votes needed. And so this bill here likely uh, not going to see the light of day uh, or at least not going to become law. Uh, Before we move on to the next bill, I want to share with you uh, the statement by Representative Berkland she shared uh, just after she learned the news. She says, quote, while disappointed the Senate committee did not approve, did not advance HB 302, I also trust in the legislative process. This is a complex and sensitive issue, and I appreciate the robust discussions I had with a broad group of stakeholders, colleagues, and constituents, and I thank all those who voiced their opinions. I will continue to stand up for and speak out for past, current, and future female athletes fighting for the opportunity to compete fairly. I am optimistic we can continue to work together to create policies that preserve female sports. There's one line in that statement I want to uh, reiterate. Representative Berkland says, after defeat, she says, I also trust in the legislative process. I also trust in the legislative process. That is an admirable attitude. And regardless of where you stand on this issue, and I know I know that feelings are strong. It is a, it is a, difficult, uh, it is a difficult piece of legislation to debate, a difficult uh, issue to deal with. And yet Representative Berkland, an elected member of Utah's legislature, trusts in the legislative process. That is a graceful loser. And she is taking this uh, loss in stride. Now, loss is what it is. She attempted something and she was not successful. But I admire her uh, response here. I trust in the legislative process. Another piece of legislation which uh, was shot down, not likely to uh, make it to the governor's desk, one we discussed just yesterday, and it has to do with distracted driving. Uh, My time is running out here in this segment, but the bill would essentially have made all use of handheld devices, almost all use of handheld devices, cell phones that is, 
uh, a crime here in the state of Utah, a primary offense. Uh, at present, you can talk on the phone, uh, but uh, you can't text or email or do other things, and yet it's all a secondary offense. This would have changed that. Uh, so this piece of legislation by Representative Carol Spackman Moss, again, introduced, debated a bit, ultimately uh, not making it to the governor's desk. Uh, There are some more I'd like to share with you. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we return, I'll make my way through the rest of this list, including a number of bills that are still alive. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. We are going to work harder and smarter than we've ever worked before. Representative Thurston. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Are we supposed to remove our masks when we speak? Uh, in, the, in the 2020 session, passed out of here nearly unanimously, just uh, ran out of time on the Senate board. But it's uh, this was brought by the Utah Association of Special Districts. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Representatives, this bill, we, we have the Veterans Military Affairs Commission, which we've had for several years, and uh, it's been redrafted and sunsetted and different things on it. It brings into uh, conformity the wording on the application with what is printed in our driver's license. We're discussing a number of bills before the Utah State Legislature today. Welcome back, by the way. Uh, 12.51 is the time here in the KSL News Room, Episode number 286 of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Uh, welcome back. And we're discussing a handful of bills which uh, have met their demise and also a handful which continue on. We are uh, every day nearing closer and closer to the end of the general session of the Utah State Legislature. And as you well know, as a consumer of uh, local news around these parts for years, this is the season of legislation. Why is that the case? Well, <clears throat> in Utah, and I've shared this before, uh, so you know, stop me if, if I'm just repeating something you already know. Here, here in Utah, the legislature operates a bit differently than many other places around the, the country. And so uh, here in Utah... With the part-time legislature, a 45-day general session is all uh, that lawmakers are uh, afforded uh, to get these bills through. Sure, there are interim sessions and special sessions uh, and this and that. But uh, for the most part, the the big work, the heavy lifts, that happens uh, during this chunk of the year. Uh, Stretch of time between January and March, lawmakers uh, step aside from their regular jobs and their families uh, in many cases travel to Utah's capital city, uh, Salt Lake, and gather together each day on Capitol Hill to debate and pass these laws. Because all of that happens in this narrow window of time, there is intense focus on what transpires up there. It's not like that other places. Sure, there are some, uh, but many, many states have year-round legislatures. In fact, the state legislators in many states, that's their, that is their job. That's their full-time job. That's where they earn their income. They're not, uh, you know, uh, firefighters. They're not small business owners. They're not teachers. They're not what have you. They're lawmakers by profession. That's not how things are here. And to accommodate that, you got to squeeze it into uh, 45 days. And so we are here today talking about some of those pieces of legislation as we get closer to the end of the legislative session. Uh, Here's one. Uh, I started the list with a number of bills that are dead, meaning they won't become Utah law for whatever reason, either voted down, uh, that's it, or have found themselves kind of relegated to committees or circumstances where 
It's kind of code for, eh, we're not going to get to that one. Uh, Here's one uh, that was ultimately voted down. Uh, This is a a concurrent resolution, meaning it's uh, it's not something that would change the law, but rather uh, would collect the will or communicate the will and attitude of the legislative body. And it was one regarding Native American mascots. There was a a resolution that would would have established the view of the House as uh, being or encouraging to the the schools and districts throughout the state to change any name, any mascot that may have uh, been offensive to Native American tribes uh, or offensive to their tribal sovereignty. That didn't pass. That didn't pass. But that conversation certainly continues as, uh, you know, various institutions, schools, mascots uh, are debated piecemeal. Uh, This resolution here was not passed. Uh, One one bill that looked as if it were going down, but ultimately, and maybe thanks to some protesting students just yesterday, is back. It lives on. The Senate has uh, voiced its desire to debate this and uh, potentially vote on it, and it is the changing of the name of Dixie State University. You and I have discussed this a number of times. You've weighed in via the Utah Community Credit Union text line. I've been very grateful to you for that. 57500 if you want to weigh in on this again. That's great. Uh, but uh, where it was just 24 hours ago, uh, likely uh, headed towards defeat, uh, it is now uh, resurrected in some senses. And uh, the, the indication by the Senate is that it will, in fact, uh, debate this and possibly vote on it. And so, uh, you know, who knows? They were students yesterday that got together up at Utah's Capitol Hill. Do they deserve the credit for having changed it? I don't know. You have to ask the lawmakers in charge. Uh, All right. So those are the ones. Those are the bills that uh, had died. Uh, Dixie State's legislation there uh, looked dead, but is back. Uh, Here's one that lives on and will very likely uh, end up on the desk of the governor. And this is one that we have discussed, uh, I think, once or twice in the past as we have followed the progress of this bill banning the release of mugshots until and unless someone is convicted of a crime. Uh, we spoke uh, last month to the uh, the sponsor of this legislation, Representative Kevin Stratton, and he described the bill this way just last month. What it does is it protects the, that mugshot until an individual either pleads guilty or is, is found guilty through the judicial system. The bottom line is that in today's high-tech world environment, I believe letting the feathers fly across the World Wide Web and hanging a virtual scarlet letter around an innocent person, at least presumed to be innocent, is one that's been merely accused or, or arrested is not only unconstitutional, it's, it's just really a ch- real, real challenge in today's culture of guilty upon an accusation. We're going to spend some more time talking about this very bill. We're going to hear more from Representative Stratton as well as others involved in this legislation. I'm going to share with you some of my own thoughts. Uh, That's coming up later in the program, so I won't dwell on the mugshot bill right now, but I do have uh, strong feelings on that. Just after 2 o'clock, we'll get back into that, so uh, be sure to listen in. We'll discuss this mugshot bill. I'll also uh, open up the the phones possibly and certainly the text lines to get some input from you on what you think about this mugshot bill. It, uh, for all intents and purposes, is uh, is on its way to the governor's desk. There's a a procedural vote, I I think, still to take place in the Senate, but 
uh, if, you know, yesterday's voting behavior is any indication of what uh, today's or tomorrow's will be, I think the highest of likelihoods is this that this one at least ends up on the governor's desk for his signature or veto. Uh, another interesting piece of legislation which continues on has to do with online impersonation. Yeah, online per impersonation. I, I stop short of calling it identity theft because there are already laws addressing identity theft, but this one would make it a crime if you were to impersonate someone online without their consent and with the intent to do harm. This piece of legislation stems from a circumstance where uh, an impersonator posted derogatory comments about the death of George Floyd on a local television station's Facebook uh, page uh, under the guise of uh, you know claiming to be someone else and that someone else and their family uh, paid some consequences. There has been something akin to vindication since, but uh, you know some of that pain and fear and some of the stress that stemmed from. Uh, this impersonator, uh, you know, it lasts forever. You can't unring a bell like that. Uh, before we go to break, a great question just came in uh, via the Utah Community Credit Union text line. I'll give that to you, 57500. The, the question is this, Lee, can you briefly give advice on how someone might go about proposing a new piece of legislation? I have an idea. Here is, here's exactly how you do this. You heard me earlier mention the legislative website, le.utah.gov. Not only can you there read the legislation before the legislature right now, but you can also you can also identify your own legislator, either member of the House or the Senate. And one thing about Utah is we are given great access to these lawmakers. So go on there, le.utah.gov, track down who it is that represents you, and reach out to them. There will be a phone number there. There will be a mailing address. There is also an email address. Pick your uh, pick your poison. Uh, reach out and say uh, exactly this. I have an idea for some legislation. And I'll tell you what, most every bill that you have heard me discuss today and throughout the entirety of this legislative session can almost in every case be tracked backwards to an instance where a constituent reached out, presented a scenario, there was some study involved and some debate and conversation, and ultimately, if it presented uh, a real cause, well, legislation was drafted. And in some cases, it becomes law. As little as an email can become a portion of state law. So there's your advice, le.utah.gov. Reach out to your lawmaker, give them the idea. Quick break. When we return, all-important topic of child care. Child care. Availability expense. What are your plans for the summer? We're going to get into it with some professionals and some parents. All of that coming up next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio. I've repeated this a number of times today that this is the time of year where we are laser focused on the goings on up on Utah's Capitol Hill. Uh, with a part-time legislature, there's only so much time in the year uh, to get potential uh, laws or the repeal of certain laws rammed through the process. And uh, right now, we are in the midst of it. In fact, in the final uh, days of this legislative session, the general session of the Utah State Legislature. And there was a piece of legislation that caught my eye uh, a few weeks back, and it has to do with mugshots. When you, when you think about a mugshot, close your eyes for a second, unless you're driving. Uh, close your eyes, 
Uh, and if you, if you are driving, just kind of visualize this in your mind's eye, uh, the image of someone depicted in a mugshot, right? It's not a positive look. It, it, you don't look upon a mugshot and say, oh, oh, there's just a, a regular person, a regular law-abiding person. No, they look, and the impression that you get is that you are looking at someone guilty, right? Uh, Maybe I'm crazy, uh, and maybe I'm the only one. Now, I do have a more broad understanding of our justice system, and so I know know that when I am looking at a a mugshot that I am seeing someone uh, who, you know, in, in terms of the law at that moment, is innocent. The photograph being taken uh, upon booking. Innocent until proven guilty is the, the theme of our justice system. Is that correct? And so uh, there has been an effort undertaken by Representative Kevin Stratton along with Senator uh, Mike Kennedy to prohibit the distribution of those booking photos, those mug shots, the jail photos. Why? Well, I'm going to let... Representative Stratton explained for himself. He joined us not that long ago to explain uh, the intention behind this bill. What it does is it protects that that mugshot until an individual either pleads guilty or is is found guilty through the judicial system. The bottom line is that in today's high tech world environment, I believe letting the feathers fly across the world wide web and hanging a virtual scarlet letter around an innocent person, at least presumed to be innocent, is one that's been merely accused or, or arrested is not only unconstitutional, it's it's just really a ch- real, real challenge in today's culture of guilty upon an accusation. He's right. We often are today guilty upon accusation. The, the burden has switched. We are uh, many times guilty until proven innocent. And mugshots being circulated online certainly doesn't help that. Uh, He also described these mugshots as uh, virtual or digital scarlet letters. That's absolutely right. That is the impression that is given. Now, here's another uh, example he brought up. Uh, Some individuals... Some individuals are arrested. They are booked. A photograph is taken. That exists then in the public domain. And yet those individuals aren't even charged with crimes. We want to be certainly supportive of, of our law enforcement and what they're doing on the front lines, and, and that, that, that's a key element. But in the performance, sometimes there's actually uh, arrest and, and uh, pictures are taken and spread out over the Internet where the prosecutor even declines to uh, press charges. It's not only found innocent, we're not, there's never, never even a formal charge, and it, it impacts every aspect of a person's life. Now, this this is, if I'm honest and I'm straightforward with you, a little bit of an uncomfortable position to take because members of the media, many of them uh, being represented by, by single group Utah's Media Coalition, spoke uh, at the hearing earlier this month during a public hearing, arguing that 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 this bill is out of line and that the journalism industry is plenty capable of regulating itself and uh, and that these media outlets they don't publish every mugshot unless it's in the public's interest now i can at least in this building attest to the truthfulness of that but in principle that's not necessarily the case everywhere and there is another aspect that's uh, that's important to understand too that 
Uh, and and I you, you've heard me commit to you know doing follow up stories when uh, something breaks, uh, when a story breaks and it demands follow up, and uh, you know when we only have a piece of the story, when you know further on down the line, maybe a week or a month or even a year down the road, we uh, that's when we find the resolution. Well, I, I'm committed to that, and I know my colleagues here are committed to that, but I, I can't speak for everyone in this business. And I do know that sometimes there are arrests and the determination is made that the mugshot ought to be included in the telling of that story. And I know, too, that sometimes in those circumstances, when the mugshot, as Representative Stratton describes it, that digital scarlet letter is introduced into the World Wide Web, I know sometimes that as the justice system winds its way towards a conclusion, when it sometimes reveals that, in fact, that innocent person was innocent all along, vindicated of the suspected crimes charged against them. It was not always follow-up. And potential employers, potential romantic partners, or their older brothers, or dads, something like that, they might make their way onto that same worldwide web and encounter that virtual uh, scarlet letter without the follow-up. Now you hope you hope in the spirit of due diligence that they uh, <clears throat> you know make their way to the proper databases and find out oh my gosh look at this yeah sure uh, there's a mugshot but oh there's nothing but a misunderstanding wrong place wrong time uh, mistaken identity something like that where there's been an innocent, innocent uh, explanation all charges dropped acquitted vindicated but who's going to those lengths now you see the mugshot you presume guilt and. Sufficient number of Utah's legislators agree with that, and it is just one procedural vote away from making its way to the governor's desk for signature or veto. I, I'm not sure where the government where the governor stands on this one, um, but uh, you know, while signing is much more common than veto, I presume that should the Senate, in its final procedural vote, pass this, and all indications from past votes are that it will. Uh, I predict that this ultimately becomes law here in the state of Utah. Last thing I'd point out on this topic, aside from the media stuff, aside from the digital scarlet letter, aside from uh, all of that, there in uh, in certain areas of the country has uh, arisen an industry in scrubbing different police forces and jurisdictions and, uh, and jails for these mugshots uh, and publishing them. Uh, both online and in print. Think about uh, some years ago. You'd be in line at the gas station and you'd see uh, the the mugshot book there. And <laughs> I'll admit, some of those that make it to the cover of that publication are pretty comical. Right? But when you think about it for a moment, what you're seeing are individuals uh, in their darkest hour. And many of them will ultimately uh, be vindicated of the crimes charged against them or no crimes charged at all. There have been efforts like this to stamp out that industry, to put an end to those types of publications that exploit individuals during their darkest hours, not only for the entertainment of consumers, but also later when those individuals step up and say, hey, could you take my uh, my face off your website or remove it from your publication? Uh, those charges against me were all dropped. I, I'm, I'm an innocent man or woman. They'll say, oh, absolutely, absolutely, for the low, low price of $900, $1,000, $5,000, who knows how much. 
If these images aren't available, that industry doesn't thrive. If these images aren't available, innocent people aren't exploited. So we'll see how it turns out. We'll see if the legislature and the governor of the state of Utah agree. Quick break. When we return, you're not going to believe this. It turns out, it turns out that business here in Utah is booming. For all of the businesses that closed their doors during the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, even more have opened their doors. We're an innovative people. The details next from KSL Television investigative reporter Matt Gephardt, my friend in studio ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.